Hello and welcome to episode 808 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It's Tuesday, Cinco de Mayo. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, not only is it Cinco de Mayo, it's Taco Tuesday. It's a good little marriage right there. Are you going to have some tacos today? Yeah, we're going to support one of our local uh, taquerias, a Mexican family-owned Mexican restaurant that uh, yes. we love. And uh, they're doing like a Cinco de Mayo special, so... Uh, and then, like, if you, like, order from a restaurant today and you submit your receipt to Jose Cuervo, you're in a drawing and, they'll, you know, they're going to pay for somebody's dinner. So Really? Yeah. Apparently. Oh, that's this is great. What, this is what my wife has told me. So um, I don't really follow Jose Cuervo very much uh, since uh, they ended up well, meeting up in jail, like, 20 years ago. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, no, I, I love, I mean, we do Taco Tuesday pretty much every week. Yeah, uh, I, I do it pretty regularly, but this one, you know, this one lines up very well. Mm-hmm. I will also be uh, getting some tacos. Uh, it's a it's a local to Texas place, but it's not it's not specifically Austin, but it is Torchy's Tacos. Big big fan of it. They've got it. You may have seen their uh, their area out in center field of Houston, um, of I almost said Enron of Minute Maid Park. And so yeah, that's where I'll be getting tacos from today. And uh, hopefully, folks en- enjoy some uh, some good Cinco de Mayo tacos because you should have tacos any day. But when it's Taco Tuesday lining up with a a, a holiday like Cinco de Mayo, I think it's a perfect time to get some tacos. You know, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit of news and notes today. Maybe a little bit of a, a episode throwback episode, right? Like one that we would have during the season, and maybe it's in celebration of the fact that there was actual real baseball last night. Over in South Korea, and we'll get into that in a moment. But uh, did you uh, partake in any of the festivities of opening day? I mean, I did and I didn't. I, I watched some of the KBO. I mean, it was it was late. I mean, later for you than it was for me. But uh, it, it's it's so weird that you know it was just getting going, dude. Yeah, I mean, I spent ten years of my life working midnight to eight a.m., and this would have been perfect for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm what um what's going on? But now that I'm working a you know a regular houred kind of job, it's like oh, I actually have to get to bed because I have to be up at uh, seven yeah, <laughs> o'clock in the morning. So, uh, you know, I, I'm still a late night person by nature. So I probably watched in the first four to six innings of mm-hmm. of the games, uh, but before I went to sleep. Uh, you know, I say four to six because there was a fire outside of one of the stadiums, so they had to postpone and, and, and a and rain, delay. rain delays. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get into into that more, but let's start with our league here in America, MLB, and you know, around all the excitement of KBO having opening day, there was a rumor floating around that really, that really had some folks uh, excited here uh, by Trevor Plouffe, former player saying that he had some sources talking about how there's a date set up for uh, spring training part two and that we were looking at a July 1st uh, opening day. That was promptly shut down. Uh, Keith Law and other insiders were like, I got nothing on that. And, you know, it's like he might have had a legit, uh, you know, source on that. I'm not. I'm not here to to bash Ploof, but it was tough that it was so quickly cut down. Um, and you know, it's like, well, you know, do you, do we one more than the other? I kind of do, and I maybe do lean toward the insiders a little bit, even though 
former player who probably has some reputable sources. Where did you come out on all of this stuff at? Did you get excited or have you been like me and every time we get any of this, you kind of you kind of push back a second and say, I'll wait till we see more. Um, yeah, I kind of go back and forth because my initial instinct is to discount anything that comes out until we actually have MLB saying it. Mm-hmm. That being said, it's not like Trevor Plouffe is, like, locked in with these sources that are willing to def- deceive him. Like, he's, you know, I mean, he's just a former player for the most part. Like, he, I, I wonder if this is actually probably more legitimate. That this is actually what MLB is thinking uh, that's going to happen, or what they would at least like to do. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, this is kind of the time period we had all kind of expected things to get rolling, you know, get rolling in mid-June and, you know, start around Independence Day. Uh, so, I think that this is still pretty legit. I know, I know, you know, a lot of, you know, MLB quote-unquote insiders have come out and said, you know, this is not true this is just a rumor this is but like these are the people that have been deceived from or by major league baseball since this all started you know with all the test balloons and things like that so yeah. i almost that, that's that's a good point and you know like i said law law was the one who was kind of getting credit for shooting it down off rip um but then there were other insiders uh, notably Heyman, who was sort of uh, cited on roto world saying that you know this does remain a target so, like, it's not concrete, but spring training 2.0 starting sometime in June with a July 1st, July 4th start date is what they want to do. Mm-hmm. So, again, I don't think Poof made it up out of thin air, and I'm not here to deliver any hate toward him one way or the other. I think he he was probably told it by something that, you know, he found reputable and said, I'm, I'm going to go. Can I go with this? And they said, yeah. And he, so he put it out there. But I, I don't think he did it to, like. Uh, you know, get people overly excited or, or, you know, trick us in any sort of way. I, I've been seeing him. He's been doing more and more with John Boy over and talking baseball and kind of getting into the uh, into the baseball media culture. So I I, I really don't think that uh, that he went for some some like uh, prank on anybody or, or or was just trying to start crap. No, I I, I thoroughly believe that he's got sources. You know, within Major League Baseball organizations, whether it be, you know, other players uh, or, you know, people in the front office that, uh, you know, maybe in Minnesota where he spent most of his career uh, that told him this. Um, Now, it probably wasn't for public consumption. um, But that being said, like, I I do. I, I agree with you. I think that this is what Major League Baseball wants. And as long as things don't get you know, aggressively worse, I think they're going to try this. Now, it'll be interesting to see if they do try to pull this off, how that's going to work, because part of it was mm-hmm. players or teams are going to play in their home stadiums. Exactly. that, And that was the part that we haven't heard in a while. A lot of these, as you call them, trial balloons have been with, um, you know, first the Arizona bubble, then Arizona, Florida, then Arizona, Texas, Florida. Sign me up for that one, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got pl- got plenty of space here in Texas. Uh, you know, you want to you want to get some stuff here. All the games oh, will man, be blacked out for you, though. Well, that's true. <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have to go to them because you, you know, you know, even in the pandemic, mm-hmm. MLB still copping them blackouts. You know that they're gonna do that stupid shit. Um, but yeah, you know, so that this was like the first rumor that had you know at least a. a a modicum of legs that included 
at home parks as well. Now, to kind of loop in, you know, we'll, again, we'll get deeper on KBO here in a moment, but to reference them quickly, they're playing with no fans. Do you think that's what MLB should be looking at as their first and foremost, at least to start, maybe do a no fans until August, September, and then start to, you know, bring it back in if things go well? Like, do, do you think any, any MLB plan should include no fans at the parks? I think they have to include no fans. Uh, and it's a bummer because there is something, I mean, people talked about it last night during the KBO broadcasts, like how crazy the fans are uh, and how, oh, what, yeah. how much like pomp and circumstance goes on at KBO games. And you just didn't have that because they're, they're playing it safe. And I, I don't think we see fans in the stands at all this year. Like, I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, I'd be surprised too, to be honest. So yeah, I, I think I think any plan that starts, you know, playing games at any point this season includes no fans for the beginning. Uh, and I would be really, really surprised if we saw fans uh, at any point in the regular season. Maybe they wait long enough and uh, they can start, you know, selling those, you know, really, really expensive tickets in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. Which would be perfect because they usually charge you like a thousand dollars for a ticket, and now they'll be able to charge five or ten thousand dollars for a ticket because <laughs> people will be willing to pay it just to go see a live baseball game. Uh, but I, I think I think we're gonna see all the sports try to start in July. Uh, I mean, obviously outside of football. Uh, so uh, that's usually when they open camps. So that would be yeah. So, but I think uh, yeah, I think we're gonna see games in July. Uh, for every sport, as long as, like I said, you know, things don't get progressively worse. Though, it sounds like they might. So, I mean, it depends on That's who you thing. trust in terms of your actual news source, because the CDC says by what, June 1st, they're expecting two to 3,000 deaths per day. So, if that's the case, we may not see baseball come back that quick. Yeah, that that's just another wrinkle into everything. It's all over the map with regards to that, um, you know... And I don't want to get down the whole rabbit hole of uh, all of what's going on with with the uh, COVID stuff outside of the sports world. But, uh, yeah, it's it's weird here. They've like started to lift some restrictions and people are acting like nothing ever happened. And it's kind of weird. And I'm like, OK, I'm you know, I want to be out as, as, as much as the next guy, but I can't uh, I can't just pretend that everything's cool and. You know, not not wear anything out. But anyway, don't want to get into all of that. That's where we're at with MLB right now. I do think, again, that Poof's rumor is definitely something that they might be eyeing. And again, maybe they're putting it out through him and some others. Um, and so we'll see. We'll see if it's even feasible. Let's talk a little KBO. You mentioned that uh, that you got into it a little bit, but uh, you have to get to sleep like a, like a normal person now. I still don't. I'm still a total night owl. So games starting at midnight my time is literally perfect. Like that's pretty much when my stream's kicking into high gear. Uh, so we were doing a watch party while I was playing MLB the show. I set up a little DraftKings, and I did the twenty because that's the the biggest that you can do that will resize if you don't make. And I didn't want I didn't want it to not make, and then everyone wasted their lineup. So I just did the twenty, and it filled so fast. So there was some thirst for uh, uh, for for getting some actual. DraftKings action going. Now, um, you played in it. You were doing well for a while. I saw you and I were kind of neck and neck there. And I'm just going to toot my own horn. Your boy won it. 
Yeah. I pulled it off, man. You, you finally found it. your uh, your niche inside of DFS. I, I know. I know. I can't, I can't believe it. Like, a, <laughs> a league I know virtually nothing about, I, I go have a huge day on opening day. I did have a blunder, though, Justin, and I'm going to cop to it. There's, I, I don't have to. I can keep the secret to myself. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna come out with it. I should have won more money. So I cleared, I cleared a buck ninety between my contest and, and a handful of others. Should have been closer to two fifty, two sixty. Your boy's an idiot. So it happens. My catcher was not starting. So I made a move because I had a little extra cash too. I couldn't even spend it all. Like I put some big money guys in for my last few lineup spots, and I still had a few bucks on the table. So I put that into replacing my catcher. I didn't do a global replace. I only replaced him in my league. And that was six points on the table. Um, so those six points in the other leagues, I think would have gotten me about 50, 60 bucks. So, uh, yeah, that's a bummer. Still had a big night. I want to be happy about it. But I also have to uh, shame myself for being a moron. Have you ever had a move like that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially when we're playing actual DFS in season. You know, and I'm running anywhere from 20 to 60 lineups or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's been plenty of times where, you know, even actually last night in the KBO, like uh, there was, you know, there was the rain delay that was happening. And I saw I saw the news that, you know, the rain was coming in hard. And I went to go change out all the guys in that rain delay. uh, And in the midst of doing it, as I hit save the lineups locks locked so like i didn't get to change those thankfully they still played yeah Uh, yeah yeah. everything went off without a hitch it was just a little bit later game and if you had some guys on lote uh they ended up putting up some runs and doing some doing some damage so yeah so all the games went off in fact the uh the espn game had a rain delay as well it was a shorter one but then the lote kt game had a bigger rain delay there was a fire delay too in one of the games (laughs) so you know Everything everything was happening already on day one. But let's talk a little bit about the, the, the KBO itself and, and what they do over there. So they have a 10-team league. And by the way, PitcherList.com, Alex Fass and, and a group of his folks over there, they did a great job with a little primer if you guys are interested in it. Just go to PitcherList.com and it's going to be at the top. There'll be a big KBO thing. Click on that. Um, and, and you get a primer on all the teams and the league. So they have some interesting stuff. They, they use a full DH for all 10 teams. You can have three foreign-born players, so non, non-Korean. non A lot of times they are uh, major leaguers, uh, so that's you know American, Canadian. Uh, this year I think it's just American and Canadian. I don't th- oh, wait, actually Warwick Salt pulled Australian through a complete game yesterday. Uh, so that was nice. And you can use... All three of them in a game, except every team has two pitchers and one hitter. And the two pitchers are almost, I think they're all starters. So they're only going to be using two in a game anyway. But before 2020, you could only use two of your three foreign-born players in a single game. So that's kind of interesting. Here's some of the wrinkles that they have. In a regular season, all games are 12 innings. They have draws. Now, I don't know, did did you look into anything about uh, their standings last year or anything like that? Nope, I looked into absolutely nothing. I figured okay, that then, was the best case scenario for me. Then I can, uh, then I can, I can quiz you on this. How many, uh, how many draws do you think the most, the most, uh, what, what was the highest draw count for games last year? They they play a one hundred and forty four game schedule. Mm, seven. 
three. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people balk at that to have ties. It's not a huge deal. You're talking about, what, 2% of games for mm-hmm. that team. Most of the teams had 2-1. A couple teams had zero. So, now, I think because you and I are night owls, we lean toward, uh, well, you aren't anymore. You left the, you left the party. <laughs> but uh, we used, you used to be. I love extra innings games. So, if only because I'm staying up late. So, I'm like, go longer. And I'm just rooting for whichever team is losing, if there happens to be any scoring in the extra innings. But would you be interested in something like this? Because as fun as they are to watch, because I'm up and I just want to have live baseball, when you start getting into 15, 16 plus innings, th- those games have repercussions well beyond that that game. Would you be open at all to draws after 12, 13 innings? I think I would in the regular season. Obviously in the playoffs, you know, they, they wouldn't do that. So, and I mean, that those are the games you really care about in terms of, you know, seeing them go the distance. So I think yeah, that's not a result. bad idea to limit because you're right. I mean, let's say you've got a you know a night game and then followed by a day game. You don't want to be going 14 innings. No, no, it, and it again, it's it's really taxing. And yeah, I know they've got farm systems; they can call up players, but it can have two, three day repercussions after that. Now, you mentioned playoffs. This is where I don't love it. They do have ties. It's a 15-inning limit, though. If a postseason game ends in a tie, it essentially doesn't count and is replayed in full. I ain't playing 15 (laughs) innings for you to say, psych, come back tomorrow. I don't vibe with that. I don't like that one for the playoffs there, KBO. Yeah, that, that is weird. I don't know how many of those they've had. You know, it's probably very limited. You know, even even the twelve inning ties. Like I said, the highest the team had was three, so it's not something that's happening a lot. But I don't want to risk it at all in the playoffs. I'm sorry, you got to play it out. And I understand that you know it is taxing and it does change things down the line. But it's the playoffs, man. I just don't think you can ask these guys to go 15 innings and then say that doesn't matter for anything. Yeah, no, you get extra days off in the playoffs too. So like that that doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, because could you imagine having like two of those in a series, dude? That'd be insane. And and like as you're watching them, you're like, this is, this is such an epic game. This is crazy. And then you think, uh oh, it's the 14th inning or tied. What if nobody scores? And then this this whole thing doesn't count. So I, I don't know. I, I haven't looked into their history. I don't know how many they've had. I doubt it's been many, but I'm not risking that. Uh, so I don't. I, I I don't like that. Now. They went the complete opposite way last year in the KBO for what we did here over here in the States. They de-juiced their ball. And so some of these guys that went over there uh, from the majors, the pitchers, uh, a lot of them have big homer issues. Uh, Mike Wright jumps to mind. Dan Straley's always been a bit of a home run guy. They got to be loving – like this is the best decision for them because even before – 2019 with the juice ball here in the States, these guys had home run issues, but now they're going to a league that was already less Homer friendly than um, America and then de-juice the ball further in 19. So there's not a ton uh, of, of power. You know, the, the league leader last year in 144 games still had 33 and there was a bunch of guys in the twenties. It's not like it's devoid of power. We're not uh, having a league leader with 18 or anything like that, but it's certainly not what we've seen here 
the last few years, including last year specifically, strikeouts are much, much, much lower too. Just to put an easy cap on that, I know it's a one-game sample, but that really was jarring for folks when I tweeted out what Warwick Saupold did yesterday in that shutout. He had two strikeouts. <laughs> and everyone's like, wait, what? He did what now? Yeah, yeah, two strikeouts. So this will not sound like a large number, but when you think about it on the grand scale, it's massive. They have essentially two fewer strikeouts per nine. 8.6 here to 6.8 there, K, K per nine globally. That's huge. Now, their whip is quite a bit higher because the ball is in play a lot more. So it goes, uh, like we have 132 here, they have a 140. So the ball is in play a lot more, a lot more base hits. Um and so that you know, there are pluses and minuses, differences. They had their fa- fastest opening day game ever yesterday in that Warwick Sopold game, and a lot of their games were brisk, even the ones that had some big run totals. So there was definitely some of that. Their batting average last year was 267 league wide. Ours is 252. That is a massive difference when you're talking about a full league. So. With just a quick primer there, what what do you think about the KBO? I mean, I've, I've heard that on a good night, it's like AAA, and on a bad night, it's like AA, uh, which is still baseball. And, uh, and so yeah, I've, it, I've always heard like that it was basically quad A between, for mm-hmm. Korea and Japan, that they were basically, you know, and, and it makes sense when you see the guys who go over there and beast out, mm-hmm. that they weren't, they were too good to really just labor in AAA but they're not quite good enough for the majors. So yeah, I've definitely heard some of that, but continue uh, on your thoughts on the KBO. Um, I mean, it's very sound baseball and it's, uh, it's exciting. I I think the the players are allowed and encouraged to show a ton of emotion, Mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of refreshing. And I hope that that bleeds over into MLB more. Uh, At the same time, like there are things that, you know, for stupid American, uh, and and I'll, and I'll just say that that's what I am. Like I found very difficult in terms of, okay, wh- who's this player? <laughs> like like the name, like the names on the back of the jersey are you know in Korean. Like it's hard, well, to, yeah, yeah. hard to figure. And some of them are you know they're not actually their names. Like so like uh, I think it was Rojas or uh, I think it was like his, uh, his the name on the back of his jersey is uh, you know love fans. You know? Oh, okay. And so, like a lot of times, it can be nicknames. It can, you know, it may not be a player's actual name, uh, and not that you'd be able to tell because it's in Korean. Um, I, I, you know, I think the excitement of it's great. I think you know, if people are enjoying it, fine. Uh, it's not necessarily for me. Uh, I think it's, uh, uh, and I think once baseball really starts coming back, people will be less. Uh, much, much less interested, even. Well, yeah, uh, but, I mean. I don't know. To me, it's like like this is the non-alcoholic beer to beer. Like, you know, yeah, it, it's it's something to drink uh, for now because we can't have beer, but I really just want a beer. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. Like, I, I don't expect America to become... Super KBO. I mean, it's just not practical anyway because those were day games yesterday, so they started at midnight central. Um, the ones today start at four thirty central. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're night, they're night games. So uh, 
obviously that that kind of goes without saying um and if if we got our own game back over here yes but throughout you and i have been skeptical of how likely that is mm-hmm. as much as we we desperately want to be wrong first time for either of us would be too by the way which is the crazy part never been wrong so you know first for everything i guess exactly yeah um, but uh, this is an instance where i wouldn't mind being wrong but i just i just remain skeptical there but i don't know i like i think my i think my biggest barrier and you mentioned this that you had yesterday was that you were watching the, the kbo streams on twitch which by the way they had all the games on twitch which was great they are the korean broadcasts ESPN was doing a game. They're going to be doing a game a night for the foreseeable future. And it'll be replayed during the day for us who don't want to be up at 4 o'clock in the morning. What's that? It'll be replayed during the day. Yes, yes. So, so you, you can you can watch it later. Mm-hmm. And that's that's great. The, the, the tough part is is I, I did have a hard time getting into it when I'm not when I'm not watching um when I'm not watching the the American broadcast because I don't know who's up to bat unless it's one of the MLBers that I recognize, and I don't really know what's going on. So I I understand that aspect of it, and that's going to be a barrier. It's going to be nice to have some baseball on, but for example, you know, um, I while I am a crazy night owl, four thirty is about my cutoff. Like the, the the streams that we've been doing lately. They've been making it, you know, three thirty, four o'clock. So I might not even make it until those games start. I would love to watch it. You know, every time there's day games, you better believe my stream will be doing watch parties for the KBO. But yeah, it is. It, there is that few tough avenues there, both with the time change and uh, the language barrier, unless you happen to speak Korean. But that said, I did. I did pick a team that I'm going to follow, and. Uh, I'm 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 becoming a Lotte Giants fan for a few different reasons. One, I was a big Dan Straley fan when he was here in the States and they got him. Dixon Machado is their foreign born uh hitter and a former Tiger. And friend and former fangrafts contributor Sung Min Kim is in their front office. Mm, that's right. So just a handful of reasons that kind of led me there and you know, I want to have a little rooting interest, so I just picked a team. I'm just kind of interested in the whole thing. Uh, so, you know, I'm I'm going to be kind of watching as much as I can, but I did I did decide to pick a team. Um, did, did you? I, I get, I'd gather not. No. I I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't have a KBO team. Um, it it just yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to to pick a team to get invested in when I don't understand a lot of what's happening. Uh, you know, obviously I understand the, the rudimentary game of baseball, but when I, when I don't even know like who the shortstop is, um, of a team, you don't learn. Yeah. Have you never, have, so here's a good question. Have mm-hmm. you ever, have you never taken up a new sport? Like outside of the ones that you kind of grew up with? Um, like in terms of like fanship, I mean, yeah, because like I did this. baseball. I didn't grow up play. I oh, mean, okay. I didn't grow up a baseball fan. Uh, I didn't become a baseball fan until I started playing fantasy. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Or, you know, around the year two thousand. Um, so, uh, I mean that that was brand new for me, and I actually lost a bet, and that's how I became a Giants fan. Um, oh, oh my god, that's wild. 
So I've, ne- I've never told you the story. Found on that. I have no idea about this, dude. That's awesome. Okay, so uh, I, you know, I my my mother uh, passed away when I was very young, and I bounced around, uh, you know, from house to house, grandparents, boarding schools, uh, and ended up ended up in Northern California uh, with the cousin of my uh, of my mother, um, and that's where I, you know, finished out high school and everything. Uh, and he was a huge Giants fan, and of course I was like 14, 15 years old, and a real jerk. Um, and so I kind of jokingly rooted for the uh, the Dodgers, uh, just to get under his skin, because um, that's what you do as a you know f- you know 14 year old with a lot of, of uh, inner turmoil is you know take it out on other people. Uh, and so one day, and I was also you know very athletic and uh, very very cocky and. Uh, he was uh, a high school teacher and a high school tennis coach. And we were playing tennis one day and just kind of hitting the ball around and stuff. And we decided to play an actual game. And so we, we made a bet on the outcome of the tennis game. And each, uh, you know, each point total, uh, you know, escalated, like, how bad the bet would be. And, and the fight, you know, if he beat me 6-0, 6-0, I had to become a Giants fan for life. Oh, um, my God. And he wiped the floor with me. He I wanted mean, that extra fan on the Giants. Oh, my God. I mean, we're like, yeah, I mean, I, I played, you know, fairly high level, uh, you know, football and lacrosse. And I thought I was uh, the shit. And I was not. He wiped, absolutely murdered me. And actually, uh, uh, I we went double or nothing on one point, uh, And that's why my children are Giants fans. Oh my God, that's hilarious, dude! Yeah, you never told me that. Yeah, that's so really funny. That that is how I became a Giants fan. But I I didn't start following baseball until uh, you know okay. one of the things he wanted to do when I moved in. He started playing in a fantasy baseball league, uh, so and he thought it would be a, a good way of us kind of connecting was to do it together. And so in the year two thousand, I started playing fantasy baseball. And when I started playing fantasy, I had to learn about the actual game. Yeah, because all the all, all, I guess all the American sports that I follow, you know, I, I grew up with, and I'm, I'm I'm a fan pretty much across the board. Like I'm not a super fan of everything, like I am baseball, but I mean I'm talking all the way down to like grew up watching tennis and Olympics and you know all, all sorts of different stuff. Um, but the only one I've taken up, and I'm not even I'm not even close to a super fan or anything like that. I don't want to overstate, but I never really gave much care about soccer. And then uh, a friend and I decided, let's get into the EPL, and we became fans of Tottenham uh, in in the English Premier League. And even that, you know, it's not like I'm, again, I'm not like some super fan or anything, and I couldn't even really explain in great detail. Like, I couldn't bring, I couldn't onboard somebody else to be a Tottenham fan. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to say I have a team, and I, I try to watch a good handful of their games every year. And I... It doesn't doesn't quite work with my schedule because those games are generally in the morning, so um, yeah, that one definitely doesn't work as as well. But yeah, it is interesting like when you're when you're new to a when you're new to a game, and that that's 
That's crazy. I didn't know that uh, that you were new to baseball. I, th- I thought you grew up with it, but I love how you became a Giants fan. That's hilarious. No, I, I, smart mouth got murked. Yeah, no, and I mean it's uh, it's his favorite story to tell. Uh, but it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'm never gonna live it down. Um, but I grew up in D.C. before the Nationals, so like right. there was no right. there. I mean, there was the Orioles in Baltimore, but yeah, you didn't gravitate there at all. Uh, I mean, watch some. I mean, I, I was living there during you know the the Cal Ripken kind of breaking the record years mm-hmm. um and so baseball was kind of a big thing but i just didn't enjoy watching the game i enjoyed playing and i played baseball growing up uh so i mean obviously i understood how the game was played so it wasn't like i sure. had to learn everything but uh just you know my friends played basketball and and we watched basketball and we played a lot of football and watched football and played a lot of hockey and, and watched hockey uh, and so baseball was kind of just in the periphery of, of things. So, um, you know, and then, you know, I, I really fell in love with the game because I'm competitive and I want to win. And we started playing fantasy and mm-hmm. uh, and got the, you know, we, we, we got the floor mopped with us uh, in our first year. And I went, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to figure this out. And so, uh, yeah, exactly. And so I started hey, watching a ton of games and, uh, you know, fell in love with, you know the the different parts of the games that I just didn't understand from just playing it. Yeah, it it worked. Uh, you you become hell of a player and and made it a big part of of your career actually. So um, that's pretty cool. Well, let's talk some news and notes here and wrap up. Again, this feels like a little uh, in season, even though it's uh, it feels more like a like a March episode, I guess, because this news is obviously not gameplay related, but. Uh, Corey Kluber trade goes from bad to worse because uh, <laughs> after having an injury of which he probably would have been back from by the time we theoretically got started, Emmanuel Classe, the uh, the the um, prize of that deal, has now been dealt a an eighty game PED suspension. So I don't know if he took it while you know trying to recover, mm-hmm. but uh, you know. That's tough. Now, I don't. I, I would imagine that if we don't play anything this year, then he's suspended for the first eighty of next year. Yeah, I don't believe so. I believe oh. that part of the agreement was that if uh, even if there was no baseball, that the, the suspensions and service times would still advance a year. Uh, so I don't think uh, this is a big of a deal. I mean, obviously for this season, but I, I mean, how many people are really banking on Classe taking over the closer role anyways, uh, it, it, you know, and they can practice and stuff while being suspended. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, like, I don't think this is a huge deal for his long-term impact uh, in terms of having... Now, I could be wrong, and I'm sure someone will tweet at me, uh, and if you do, I'll, I'll retweet it, uh, at least the first person, not the seventh person who tweets at me. Um you know, uh, because, but I do believe that's what the agreement was. Okay. Uh, that being said, um, this is much more interesting than just uh, kind of the surface dude get suspended because uh, when uh, Tyler Skaggs uh, passed away from, you know, the opiate overdose, uh, by MLB rules, when a government, uh, federal government, uh, is in uh, looking into drug testing, they shut down testing. Oh, so this tells us one that they have started retesting again. Yeah. 
Um, and it may mean that, you know, there are going to be got more guys who could pop because the players they all knew was... that they stopped testing. Yeah. And, you know, he, he took one, uh, Boldenon, I believe it's mm-hmm. called, pardon me on the correct, on the pronunciation there. From what I've, uh, what I recall, so this is loose and I apologize when I, I think it was Starling Marte who got hit with it and it was, I don't even want to speculate on who it was who said it, but it was like one of the popular trainers uh, that that of name one of the names that we kind of know. He had said that when you get popped for that, it's just carelessness. Yes, because it is a straight up uh, anabolic, anabolic right? steroid. So yeah, um, typically what we see people get popped for is actually the masking agents. Correct. It's it's not that they're being they're testing positive for steroids. It's they're testing positive for some sort of medication, usually a pill that filters water in and out of your system quickly enough to kind of filter the the remnants of the uh, steroid out of your system. Uh, but no, uh, boldenone is a uh, is an anal- anabolic steroid, which makes me wonder if he took it thinking he could get away with it because they that's, weren't testing. That's exactly where I was going with it. Did he think that the grace period? He could fit it in, particularly with this injury. And I, again, I don't know when he took it and when, because some of this stuff comes out months after mm-hmm. they've gotten popped. But there, you can make a case. You can there, you can puzzle, put the puzzle pieces together where it makes sense that he would have done it while injured to try to get healthier quickly. This is Emmanuel Classe that we're talking about here with his PED suspension, and then was like, oh god, they're testing again, because again, this is one that. You know, if you're going to take it, it, you really should do it in the off season because um, you're going to get you're basically going to get popped if you get tested for it. Like mm-hmm. it's one of those that's easy to get caught for if you're not smart when you do it. So it it lines up that he may have been trying to get get one by, and then they opened the testing back up as you mentioned there. So he's out this year, basically. We'll we'll call it because we're not playing more than 80 games anyway, right? So Yeah, this was an article I was thinking about doing some investigative research uh, on uh, when it was going on when we were in the Arizona Fall League. I was talking with a bunch of guys about it because uh, I don't think people realize that you know they don't want another Mitchell report, so they have done... Mm-hmm. MLB has set things up so that way there won't be another Mitchell report. That their, testing, uh, or their testing location where, where they uh, analyze all the test results are, is based in Canada. Um, and they have a rule in the, uh, collective bargaining agreement that says if a federal government branch starts looking into any sort of drug related issues, testing related issues with major league baseball, they automatically shut down testing. Wow. So that's, yeah. So we don't know exactly what happened there, but, uh, he's done for the year. Um, now I remember, or hang on, let me pull it up. I don't say remember. I'll just pull it up. Trade Rumors was saying that there was like a little silver lining here with regards to a service time because he won't accrue service time for suspension. Class A won't. So he was looking at becoming a, a Super 2, and now he's going to be pushed back. Or no, he could still be Super 2, but he'll be pushed back, and he'll get that extra year, basically, because he won't accrue service time this year. So they're going to get mm-hmm. that that extra year uh, from Class A. So, you know. He wasn't a huge fantasy impact guy, unless you were speculating in deeper leagues that uh, that maybe he took over for hand or or leagues where middle relievers have value. 
But because he was tied to such a big, high-profile trade and he was the main piece going back for Corey Kluber, I figured it was worth bringing him up. But let's uh, let's move on here to some other news. We've got injury, injury news. Alex Verdugo saying he's healthy and ready to go. And we're going to get more and more of this, especially as we get closer to a potential start time. And it, But it's nice to hear it that the guys that we speculate on, oh, he had an X amount of uh, time frame for injury. He's going to be healthy. He's going to be healthy. Instead of just assuming, now we're getting some some concrete. In fact, the last three notes here are all injury returns. All right, so when they bought Verdugo, they knew they were getting some uh, an injured player. This was not something that sprung up on them. But he's fully healthy, ready to go. You've never been a huge Verdugo guy, and he is one of those guys that, like, he might be a better real-life player than fantasy, although some of the projection systems were really liking him for this year uh, to, to spike up on what he did last year. But after 12 homers, 294 average, four steals in 377 plate appearances – how do you feel about Verdugo going as a full-timer in the Boston lineup? Have you changed your outlook at all? And now that he's fully healthy, is he somebody that you'd be interested in if you did any drafts um, from from today on? I just think uh, he's going to be so much better in real life than in fantasy. Um, and there are some, there have been some off-the-field concerns, which I, I won't go into too deeply, that really, really scare me about uh, about him. Uh, and I think the fact that he's now quote unquote healthy to start the year, though, I mean, this I'm 100% healthy is going to be like best shape of my life type thing. <laughs> Everybody's going to be like, I'm super healthy. And then, you know, the games are going to start and they're going to get hurt or or uh, they're you not going to be able to play. I mean, it, it's it's and just the legitimate concern is how well they've been staying in shape like that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we, we don't know. I'm not I'm not casting aspersions at Verdugo specifically here. I'm just saying in general. Well, and the younger players who have not yet cashed in on, you know, years of MLB service time, you know, haven't gone to arbitration or, or gotten their first free agent deal, like, a lot of them are, are in positions where it's not necessarily easy to work out. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, imagine if you're living in Boston in apartment, uh, you can't go outside other than to like maybe go on a jog or something, you, you know, you may not have like the huge setup for, uh, you know, weightlifting and training and, and being able to hit in a cage and, and all that. Um, now, I know a lot of players have talked about like they've gone to the cages at their facilities and used them and social distance that way. So hopefully guys are are staying in shape. But I mean, we're talking about Verdugo, who I don't really think necessarily has like a ton of power upside uh, or a ton of or really any speed upside uh, for the most part. I mean, I, I'm thinking like prime Melky Cabrera. Uh, what I do think he can do yeah. is score a lot of runs if he's hitting near the top of that Boston lineup. So if they decide, I don't think he will be unless Benintendi mm-hmm. doesn't rebound. Yeah, and I think that becomes the real question. Like, is is he gonna uh, replace Benintendi towards the top of the lineup? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, and right right now on roster resource, we got Benintendi one, Verdugo seven. That makes sense to me right now. So again, it does look like one of those profiles that's better in fan, in real life than fantasy with Verdugo because he doesn't have crazy pop. He doesn't have like any blazing speed, batting average, runs, two of the, the two most underrated categories in yep. fantasy. So that that does help. And he can score from lower in the lineup, obviously not crazy numbers, um, but even batting 6-7, that's a strong lineup. He can put up a decent run total. 
I think he goes where he's supposed to, though. And I, the problem is, I think if you're still waiting to draft, I think this news plus, I mean, there was a lot of hype around him before yes. the back issue uh, came out. Um, you know, with him moving to Boston, being able to get full time playing time, he is very good defensively. So I, I do think he'll uh, play on, on a, a very regular basis. I think he's an everyday player for them. I don't think he's platooning or anything. Um, and so there was a ton of hype. I mean, Vlad, I think, called him like the next Yelich or something like that at one point. Oh, wow. Um, like he like was super I didn't stoked. realize it was that. Um, I, I know that. Uh... Didn't Rasball projections have him? Like, the Rasball really projection had him as like a top thirty, top forty player. Like, uh, and like I understand people being super excited by him uh, because he is like the shiny new toy. Uh, you know, he's been blocked, but now he's going to get uh, a lot of opportunity. But I just think the ceiling is a bit capped for him. <laughs> and uh, then we also like this wasn't like a. Like, oh, he, you know, he pulled a muscle, we're waiting. This was like a stress fracture in his back. Mm-hmm. Like, this is something that could easily reoccur. Pretty severe. Yeah, so, um, and I just think the price is going to go through the roof. Like, I, I think this is a guy who's being drafted in the top 75 uh, or higher uh, when we start getting to the main event drafts. Um, oh, and, dang. Yeah, and, and I, I want nothing to do with that price. If I was getting him outside so, the top 150, be totally stoked. But you're not going to yeah. get in there. That that that's that's a little higher than I want to pay for Verdugo, and I've actually been more of a pro Verdugo guy, mm-hmm. uh, especially between the two of us. But when I saw his price starting to skyrocket, I kind of tapped the brakes because even though I, I see some of the benefits of going to Boston, I didn't quite see them to the degree that that some of the projection systems did. So I I did not get massive shares of Verdugo this year glad that he's back healthy and you know if we do end up uh getting a season going and and have a few drafts I'll be interested to see where his price is but you're right this this probably starts to push it back up to where people are interested and uh and we'll see where he goes but I I can't take him higher than like the highest I could get is like 175 that and that'd be that'd be like He's the perfect fit for my team for some reason. Like, I desperately need batting average or something like that. In fact, and the ADP is looking at it since um, 325, just kind of arbitrary date of a ADP that I had pulled up from earlier. He was going 227, not bad. But the guy who was going up at that 175 range is the next guy we're going to talk about, Willie Calhoun, who's also back healthy. Now, he had a different situation he was hit in the face by Julio Urias in spring training, and uh, and it busted up his jaw. So we kind of figured that this time off was going to help him get right. Do you have any concerns about Willie Calhoun if we if we get a season started? I mean, obviously getting hit in the face can be a scary thing. Like, do do you worry that there'll be any sort of hesitation there of like? You know, fear of the ball, really. I mean, uh, you never know what what it's going to be like when guys get hit in the face. Or would you be back to drafting? Because I know we've been pro Willie Calhoun guys for quite a bit. Where where would you come out with Willie Calhoun now that he looks healthy and ready to go after his jaw issue from spring? I'm I'm all over Willie Calhoun. I, mm-hmm. I you know the, the question becomes <laughs> how much does Texas hate him for no apparent reason. Um, you know, not quite mot like the, the it has mm-hmm. not reached Mottian levels. 
Yeah, I mean, but right now we have him hitting third in that Texas lineup uh, with no platoon. Like, that to me screams like, uh, uh, I want every share of Willie Calhoun. Yes, dude. And yes, uh, yes. especially if he's going outside the top 150, top 200, I'm going to have, like, all of my main event teams are going to have Willie Calhoun. Um, I think he, unlike Alex Verdugo, he doesn't, he's not going to get the same kind of hype and shoot up the draft boards. Um, and I just want, I just want to clarify, uh, you know, Vlad, Vlad did tweet, Alex, don't sleep on Vlad, uh, or Alex Verdugo this season, Yelich light in the making. So he called him Yelich light. And that was back at the end of November. Um, so, and we, I mean, like Vlad is one of the smartest dudes in the industry. And like, so, I mean, take, so, you know, if you, if you don't like my take on Verdugo, Vlad, Vlad's all over him. So, or at least he was back in November. Um, but I'm all over Willie Calhoun. I just think there's a ton of pop there. And I think the, uh, especially if we're, you know, playing these, uh, you know, in these getting to play back in their home parks. And if they're going to do like these, you know, three league thing, uh, where they could be, um, though, I guess they would be in the central, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the three division thing. Yeah. So he wouldn't get to play in Colorado. That's what I was starting to think. But um, I got I got to check out those uh, th- those projected leagues and, and see what that looks like for him. But that that Texas lineup is dangerous, and I think people Strong. are really afraid of them moving into dome for the hitters. It's great for the pitchers and stuff, but I don't think it's going to hurt them that much. I think it's just going to make things a little bit easier on the uh, on the pitchers. Uh, and if he's hitting third, that's that's the potential in a full, you know, obviously a full season, which we're not going to get to, you know, get a hundred RBI, hit 30 home runs, um, and be just one of those players that really jumps up draft boards going into 2021. So yeah, I want shares of Willie Calhoun. I already have him. All right. So that's, that's Willie Calhoun. Last bit of news here, Jordan Hicks throwing some bullpens. Now he's returning from Tommy John that he had in June of last year, I believe. So, you know, it's nice that he's that he's throwing some pens here. I still don't think that if we got the theoretical July start that he would be ready to go for Hicks. But it's nice that he's working his way back. And so I'm looking more long term here, Dynasty, about where you stand on Hicks and how you feel about him as as a longer term closer. It's tough to bet on closers in a single year, let alone in a in a uh, dynasty situation. But He's 23 years old, you know, throws 102 without even trying, it seems. And uh, finally got those strikeouts cooking last year with a 28% rate. And uh, along with being unhittable, keeping the ball in the yard and put up a hell of a season in his 28 and two-thirds before the injury struck with a 314 ERA and a .94 whip. Are you a Jordan Hicks fan? Hello. Are you muted? I I was muted. I I, I thought so on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you can leave this one in, but uh, we've been having some issues back and forth, and I was like, I thought I heard the button there. He might be muted. Anyway, I, go ahead. Are you are I, you a Jordan I, Hicks fan? Yeah, I I am leaving this in. I'll, I'll clean up if it caught my audio. But um, so yeah, I I am a Jordan Hicks fan, but not for 2020. Uh, process, you know, potentially for 2021. 
I yeah. just I I he's super young. He's only 23 years old, going to be 24 towards the end of the season. So I you know I think there's still a lot of mileage left on his arm. But you know what what is the thing that comes back last after Tommy John? Command, command, control. and what was his biggest issue in the majors? He doesn't have any to begin yeah, with. Yeah. So, like, this is not a situation I'm going to mess with uh, too much. That being said, like, I think the Cardinals' closer job is kind of up in the air. I think a lot of different guys uh, could uh, have a crack at it. It wouldn't surprise me if. Uh, if we're playing a lot of double headers, or you know, I mean, there, there's been talk about you know, like ten games a week, uh, mm-hmm. that this could be one of those teams that really just kind of shares the wealth in, in, okay. in the closer role. But why? Why isn't it just Giovanni Gallegos? He was amazing last year. Like I understand what you're saying, and you're not wrong. Like all the accounts that we've got, like have not like stamped it and said it's Gallegos. I don't understand why though. What more could he have done in what he did last year? 74 innings of a 231 ERA, .81 whip, 33% strikeout, 6% walk, uh, 5.4 hits per nine, which is excellent, 16% swinging strike, which is devastating. I mean, he was a monster. Why isn't this just uh, Gallegos' job? And then if he falters, you get the Brebias and the Helsleys and maybe, you know, I know everyone's still trying to make Andrew Miller a thing, although he's deteriorated quite a bit. Why isn't it just his job off rip? I think it is his job off rip. I think it just depends okay. on how comfortable you are. Uh, and there's been talk, you know, it's real interesting, you know, as people kind of speculate on what, you know, a shortened season and the amount of games we're playing is going to mean for fantasy. Uh, because I think it's going to be very team by team dependent. There are a lot of people who've said, "Well, closers aren't going to have enough time to lose their jobs." And but I, on, on the flip but side yes, of that, I go the other way. Yeah, on the flip side of it, and what I've said is, I don't think managers are going to let guys blow up three or four Bingo. times before they just pull the trigger. And so, like for me, closers, like I was already like going after the top tier guys just because I uh, I didn't want to mess with things. Um, yeah, you and, and I try to get at least one established mm-hmm. guy and then a, a, a solid secondary. Uh, we're not trying to spend all of our resources on mm-hmm. the uh, I don't wanna, on the wire. I, I don't want to chase it in fab any more than I have to. And like, yep. I mean, even guys like us who want to leave, you know, the draft with one or two like you know, you know, elite locked in closers. It's not like we're not speculating on other closers throughout the That's year. That's the thing. Everybody's in on every guy mm-hmm. off off the uh, wire, and I've talked about this before, so I won't belabor it. But I hate when people say, "Just get him off the wire." Everybody's uh, getting him off the wire. Like off- everybody does. I don't care if you have Hater and Osuna. If a closer comes mm-hmm. up, you're gonna take a look at him just in case. You're gonna throw at least a cursory because bid. because of last year, like exactly yes. what happened last year. Uh, in in many leagues, I ended up with Trinan, um, but I wasn't hurting for saves. Because I continue to work the wire for him, uh, mm-hmm. in spite of the fact that I feel like leaving a draft, I'm locked in on him. That's just, it, it's smart business sense, and it's smart yep. fantasy sense. So, uh, the idea that you can just pull up guys, and, and some people have said that, you know, if there are a lot more guys who are, you know, getting handfuls of saves, uh, you know, it'll be easier to find saves. It's not going to be easier to find saves. It's going to, you'll be easier to find two or three saves, but how much is two or three saves going to make a difference? Yeah, and it, it it's just it's just never an easy market. And then you're you, I just think it gets so underrated what you're spending as far as those in season resources go. And that's what drives me nuts is that people just kind of 
don't entertain that. So who is your who is your dollar or two speculation behind Gallegos for the uh, for the St. Louis job right now? Since we don't really think that Hicks is going to be a factor in 20, even though it's nice that he's working back with the bullpens and, and seemingly healthy to get his arm going. He still wouldn't really be back until August, I think, at the earliest. And at that point. I'm just not really worried about it. So who are you speculating on? Is it Brebia? Is it Helsley? What What do you like outside of Gallegos if you don't get him? It originally was Helsley, um, and I do I, I I did grab a few shares, but I think I'm if I'm going to grab shares like in the main event or something like that, I think it's going to be Brebia. I think he yep. might be the guy that gets uh, the first shot uh, if something he's happens. Cheaper. I think Helsley mm-hmm. has more hype right now. So. I mean, I'll probably just sprinkle, you know, I think I only have the two main event traps left. So um, I probably will just, you know, take one of each uh, in in each main event, uh, if that's, you know, what I'm looking at at that point. But I may just kind of skip this situation altogether and just uh, worry about other teams. Yeah, um, I can see that. I, I'd be interested in Gallegos, but beyond that, I, I, I might not necessarily spec right now but if i were i think brebbia is where i'm going because healthy did start to get some juice for good reason mind you but i think they i don't think he has a better shot than brebbia he just might be a little bit more of an interesting uh pitcher being younger and and having kind of a, a flashy arsenal but there's also been talk that Helsley could still start at some point too, so it's not even a lock that he stays in the bullpen. But um, I think that's by the time us. we oh, get, uh, I'm just say by the time we get to Gallegos in a draft, because I mean his ADP is just outside like the top 200. Mm-hmm. I'm already going to have my top two closers. I'm at least going to have one for sure. So yeah, I'm w- I'm with you on that. I'm at least going to have my frontline guy, and I'm going to be starting to look for that second guy. But like I said at the beginning of this combo, you and I don't mess around. We like to get in, get some closers, and not just mess around with. Uh, I will say, and this is completely off topic, but uh, like the Giants have been doing like an outside the park baseball simulation, um, including their uh, that includes their manager. Oh, uh, and um, uh, apparently in the first two save opportunities in outside the park, he went with Tyler Rogers as his closer. Taylor's twin brother, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, I don't know if that means anything, but definitely something I'm keeping an eye on. That is interesting. When you have no news, you make up news. Yeah, you start to uh, take any little bit you can get there. That. Mm, that is not that hey. not that the Giants are a team you want to like spec too hard in in terms yeah, of getting save opportunities. We'll take any closer, man. Yeah. So just just something maybe keep an eye on. You know, if you're if you're looking at that last roster spot in a deeper format uh, or NL only, maybe maybe, uh, maybe Tyler Rogers is is the guy to take a spec on to. Well, because their situation has been so wide open to Watson, Rogers, Gott. Um, I know when he first went there, Gausman was somebody that we were all excited about, but then he, they're going to start him. Sean Anderson has been discussed. So they're all over the map. So, um, all right, that is going to go ahead and wrap us up today. A little news and notes uh, version. We'll be back Thursday talking more baseball. Justin, great talking with you. Talk to you in a couple days. Take it easy.